Hello and welcome to another light reading podcast live from OFC in San Diego. My name is Phil Harvey. I'm an editor here at Light Reading. And I'm Julie Kunstler. I'm a chief analyst within the Broadband Access Intelligence Service at Omdia. Julie, every time we talk, your business card seems like it gets more more words on it. It gets longer and longer. <laughs> uh, we need acronyms then. Okay, base service. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, hey, thanks for joining me um, and and making some time in the in a very busy OFC. Um, the when we were here last year, um, one of the uh, primary concerns you kind of uh, left us with was the uh, th- that was coming up from service providers talking about the pond market in general was uh, power consumption. Um, the, they were they were worried that uh, you know the these network expansions were going to be too power hungry, and they certainly didn't want to go with uh, you know technologies of the past that you know maybe you were more focused on the bandwidth <laughs> than saving energy. Um, has there been uh, much of a change in the market in one year? It's it, it seems like thematically it's come up a lot more. Um, what what have you noticed in the in the things in the folks you've been talking to? Sure. So from a technology point of view, many of the PON equipment vendors are very much focused on lowering power consumption, both on the network side and on the customer premise side, what we call customer premise equipment side. Mm -hmm. Certainly on the network side, I've seen already just today on the show floor, great strides made on making equipment much more scalable. So let's say if on the same piece of equipment you can support 2,000 customers or 5,000 or 10,000 with the same power consumption as 1,000, you've already have power savings there. Right. And then in addition, certainly there's a focus on the customer premise equipment side, and it can be very simple things such as fewer components inside that equipment, less power-hungry chip or fewer power-hungry chips, mm-hmm. but it can also be using what we call sleep mode mm-hmm. so that when equipment's not being used in the home, it actually goes to sleep. And Smart. unlike <laughs> children, uh, babies or children, it doesn't wake up until it's actually needed to, <laughs> needed to be used. So does it, it actually get scared? <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't scare and doesn't require, you know, uh, certain temperatures. <laughs> right, so, right. So we've definitely, you know, there continues to be improvements made on, on energy consumption. Oh, that's good to hear. Yeah. That, yeah. It, it does seem like the industry's taking it seriously and kind of moving uh, in an interesting direction. And like you said, it doesn't, like with sleep mode, it, it doesn't have to be a, a, a world beating technology. It's just sometimes a good idea implemented well will, <laughs> will work. Exactly. And let's face it, in in most households, there is a window of time when home equipment devices are not being used, Mm -hmm. either because everyone's asleep or because the parents say they turn off the the teenagers' uh, phones or, you know, there there is a period, in most households, there is a period of time of quiet. I'll have to to figure out how to do that. I was unsuccessful as a parent in uh, getting my son's phone to turn off at any point, but... Uh, you just uh, take it. <laughs> He's bigger than I am. Anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll cover that some other time. Um, the, the, uh, the other thing I wanted to ask about was just sort of, um, is there any more uh, uh, kind of discussion or clarity around uh, what comes after XGS Pond? So obviously XGS Pond, uh, I think it was in your, uh, your one of your last forecast or projections that it was it was 
you know, well, well more than half of the uh, North American shipments in the, uh, you know, in, in 2022. So obviously it's, it's, you know, got a, a, a big and evolving market, but everybody's got their eye on what the next flavor of pond is going to be that's going to be preferred. Um, what, where, where do you, uh, what are you seeing as far as that goes? Sure. So there's actually two flavors of pond that are going to happen after, or that are happening after XGS. Mm -hmm. One is 25G pond. The other one is 50G pond. Mm. And by the way, there's already um, the beginnings of 100G pond um, right. in terms of, at a very technical level, what, what, what would be required to do it. Yeah. So let's take one step back and say, you know, why? Well, PON is an extremely fiber-efficient and optics-efficient technology mm -hmm. because it's point-to-multipoint. Right. And with dynamic bandwidth algorithms and other capabilities, like such as important security put into it, you can deliver very good experiences on a point-to-multipoint -point technology rather than, you know, I'll use the analogy, rather than everyone having their own highway, you can actually share a highway and not have any crashes. Right. And, and be very satisfied at the, at the speed, um, unlike driving in the Bay Area, yeah. just, just, just as a personal example. So <clears throat> why not continue to use the PON technology and work on it to deliver higher and higher bandwidth? So 25G PON early deployments are happening. Mm -hmm. We're seeing them primarily in parts of Asia, Western Europe, and North America. Why? Well, there's, there's a couple of reasons why. The first is that some operators are making a lot of money on the multi-gig strategy. That okay. when you offer more than one gig, two gigs, five gigs to residential yeah. subscribers, they take it. Yeah. And they're very, they, they, want, they want that bandwidth and you can charge for that bandwidth, but it's hard to go beyond 8.5, 8.6 on a 10 gig on an XGS PON. So you need the 25 gig. The other thing that we're seeing with 25 gig is that it can support not only 10 gig, but it can support 15 gig, even 20 gig, which becomes very attractive for business and enterprise services. Mm. You know, small businesses are very happy on one gig, you know, sure. the same thing as a household, but yeah. you get to larger and larger enterprises more more can be very good. Yeah. And especially for the alternative network operators in, let's say, Europe or the wholesale operators, 25 gig lets you sell more, mm -hmm. lets you support more retailers who then in turn support their customers on the same network. And so you get really tremendous network, you call it multi-use, call it reuse, but that infrastructure can be used for more. So we're seeing 25 gig. We're also seeing 50 gig. Now the 25 gig vendors or ecosystem, they're also looking at 50 gig. It's mm -hmm. just that 25 gig is here today. Right. And I f predict, you know, you can come back to me on December 31st, but I predict <laughs> that by year end, this year end, we're gonna see more vendors with 25 gig solutions. Mm -hmm. And we'll begin to see 50 gig probably late 24, 2025. Okay. Um, and that's really being pushed by a number of the of the Chinese operators that want to see a five. They want to go from ten to to fifty. They don't want to go from ten to twenty five. Okay. But again, it very much depends on what the operators are doing. But the really important thing about these pond technologies is that they're backwards compatible. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to rip it. Not only don't you have to rip anything out. Yeah. But 
think of it this way. You can really, the operator can really pick and choose where they want to do that upgrade. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to do it throughout the whole network. So you can say, there's a business park. Wow, just think if we could win that business park with 25 gig, right. we can selectively choose to do 25 gig to that business park. Mm -hmm. And that just gives an, an operator, a service provider, a tremendous amount of flexibility. Yeah. So there's no forklift, you know, and we think about this that, it's, and it's very, so this is fundamentally different than let's say the data center world where if you own a data center, you're one of the big data center players, you can do a forklift, yeah. you know, and you may want to do a forklift. It may be much easier to just upgrade everything. Sure. But in the broadband access world, the last thing you want to have to do is a forklift and upgrade right. every, everyone at the same time. I mean, how do you even do that? Yeah. But here, what you can really do is pick and choose and that leads to revenue opportunities. Yeah, yeah, because then they don't have to commit all that capital yes. all at once, and then they can, you know, it's almost the pay-as-you-grow network, as they would have exactly. said, you know, in the software space. Right. Um, exactly. Yeah, that, that makes a lot more sense. And when you say it's here today, you, um, I literally saw it down in Nokia's stand uh, earlier today, so <laughs> yep. so it literally is here today. Yes, um, and so there'll be more vendors. Uh, you know, yeah. there'll be more and more um, that have it, Mm -hmm. um, which, which to me is good news because from, again, from a, a user or let's say the, the operator or service provider perspective, you don't, you want choice, you know, yeah. you want to, you want to have, you want to have choice. You want to see a robust ecosystem. Yeah. And I, I, is there any, um, uh, what's your opinion? I mean, it, it's intriguing to me to hear that, uh, well, maybe, maybe it makes sense, but it's like residential folks upgrading to multi-gig because it's just like, I, I'm, I'm on a one gig line at, uh, at home and uh, um, try as I might, I can't max the thing out doing anything, any applications that, that I use. <laughs> right, but let's say you were a couple of software engineers at home. Ah, uh, okay. And you've done a big update to, to a software application. Right. And you've got to get it uploaded. Yeah. That one gig symmetrical really, yeah. really matters. Yeah, yeah. So it, it depends. You know, some people have it just because they want to have the biggest, you know. Yeah, right? yeah, they just want but that some, headroom. Yeah. yeah, and some people have it because they really say, hey, I don't want, I don't want bandwidth to be the constraint. Well, if you, I, like I said, I'm a fiber to the home customer and I, uh, I love it because now suddenly things like lossless music are not something that I've just read about. Right. I can actually experience it and it's, it's, Pretty great if you <laughs> if you can get that kind of hookup going. I highly recommend it. You'll get to listen to all your old uh, all your old albums uh, in a in a completely different way, and it it's it's like hearing it for the first time. It's pretty cool, um, but uh, but it requires uh, you know a ton of bandwidth. <laughs> um, the uh, uh, so uh, uh, so thanks for that update. Is there anything else that you're um, either uh, Noticing as far as trends or hoping to learn here at OFC since we're since we're here at the show. Yes. So in terms of learning at OFC, it gives me an opportunity to see the component vendors, the subcomponent vendors, just to see the whole the whole chain, which is yeah. always always really really helpful. Mm -hmm. It also provides me with an opportunity to look at the technology trends and sort of test. You know, we just published our pond equipment forecast this week. So sort of like to retest it, because obviously we talked to the ecosystem players when we're building the, the model for that, but you right. know, get any, any updates that are, that are important. Mm -hmm. So it's just a great place for me to capture the ecosystem. 
Yeah, it is. It is interesting to talk to the folks, like yeah, from the chip level and the components level on up, because yeah, service providers are here too, and that's what's interesting. Right. You know, it's like getting the the market side and the tech side to kind of, um, you know, and, and and you know, like a like we were, uh, like a couple of different analysts have said, you know, it is interesting too that this show has taken on the same sort of, um, the hyperscalers are 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 having a lot of influence on on the on what's being said and. With products being talked about at this show as well, uh, you know, their their increased need for bandwidth and stuff like that. So that I, I find that intriguing. Yeah, for sure, for sure. You know, the good news is that there's always been a strong broadband access component to the show. Mm -hmm. So it's it's just a great it's it's a great place it's a great place to be. Yeah, indeed. Um, it, it, uh, well, we can get into the pond forecast uh, later. Was there any any big surprises in there, or anything, uh, uh, any headline items worth pulling out? So, give folks an excuse to click. <laughs> <laughs> I think the what I found interesting is that in certain regions like North America, the forecast continues to grow year over year over year. So we're not seeing it level off right. any anytime soon. Yeah. You know, so not only does the total plant equipment forecast approach 20 billion in 2028, but we think that some of the strong trends that are momentum will continue for, for a very long time. We believe it's one of the reasons why you're seeing certain things happen. For example, there's actually more pond equipment vendors today than there were five years ago. Mm. So the ecosystem is growing That's um, interesting. At, the, at the pond vendor level, number, yeah. you know, which Second, you see some of those pond equipment vendors are actually setting up manufacturing sites in developing countries. Mm -hmm. So, okay, you know, is that just because it's cheaper there to manufacture? No, it's because fiber to the home makes a lot of sense in developing countries. You know, we used right. to think, oh, it can't be in developing countries, it's too expensive. Well, actually, there's a lot of cost advantages to fiber in developing countries. Mm -hmm. Now, let's look at India for a minute. Labor's less expensive there than it is in some other places. Right. And you have a very strong and growing and tech-oriented middle class. Oh, yeah. And they need bandwidth. Right. Lots of it. Lots yeah. of it. So, yes, there's demand for fiber to the home mm -hmm. in many places. So we're seeing growth um, in PAN, in India, in many countries in Africa, many countries in Latin America. And that's going to. There's a lot of room for growth um, in those places. Plus, in addition, you have the fiber to the room initiative in China. Right. Uh, you know, I know some of us think fiber to the room. You know, give me fiber to the home. I'll worry about fiber to the room later. <laughs> I'll get it. But to the room. yeah. <laughs> but when you think about it, the ability to have great bandwidth throughout the home mm -hmm. means that you know you don't necessarily all have to be working around the same table. Right. So that that can also be a, a an important advantage. So we're also seeing fiber to the room is also influencing the forecast for, in places like China. Or you don't have to have a, a Wi-Fi router in your house that burns so hot that your cat sleeps on it, which is what happens. Well, in only in the winter, though. Right? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Okay, Julie, thanks so much for. Uh, we, we'll put a link in the show notes to the uh, to the pond forecast and uh, uh, best of luck here at the show. And thanks so much for uh, being on the podcast. Thank you once again. Thank you.